Take your Bibles and turn with me to Malachi. Malachi, chapter 3. I wonder where Malachi is, if you, if you have any inclining, if you take your Bible and turn to the book of Matthew, and then just go backwards. Most of you will have this, a blank page right before Matthew. Book of Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. I'll give you two verses, that's it, two verses. It says, for I am the Lord, I change not. I do not change. I don't waver. I don't fickle. People around you may change. Circumstances may change. Presidents change. Your job may change. He says, I do not change. I don't change. Things around you change, but I do not change. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? And for a little while, I want to title this message, and I do mean a little while. The last prophet, same God, same call. Last prophet, same God, same call. You may be seated. I do believe that we are we're in, in interesting times, and I believe that we're in times in which you were, you're, you're seeing essentially the Bible begin to unfold before your very eyes. I believe we're in a time period in which the Bible, as I had a mentor that would say, make the Bible come alive. Make it make sense. Make it make it comprehensive. Make it go with depth. Make it dance. Make it make it begin to so you can see it from all points of view. And I I believe we are in that time period. You may or may not, and I'm not trying to sit here and say you can point to an event and you can definitely point to that event and say it's a fulfillment of prophecy. That's not what I'm saying this this afternoon. But I I do at least believe that we are in a time period in which the infrastructure is being built. And the pieces are coming together in which now when you read the book of Revelations, you can see that this thing is becoming a reality. Five to ten years ago when you read Revelations or you did studies on the end time, it would seem that a lot of those things seem so far off. It seemed like they, they, were, they were distant. It seemed like that couldn't possibly happen here. But I believe that we're rapidly in a period in which... Things are starting to come together, and they're rapidly changing within our world. Change is happening. Moral values have changed. According to the Pew Research Center polling in 2004, Americans opposed same-sex marriage by a margin of 60 to 31 percent, 9 percent neutral. In 2019, hear me now, those numbers changed. And they were actually flipped with 60% supporting same-sex marriage now. 31% now are opposing it. The Gallup poll last recorded that the support for same-sex marriage has reached an all-time high at 71%. Moral values have changed. You know, movie ratings have changed. You know that? 
Since 2009, PG-13 movies have featured as much as more violence than the R-rated films released those same years. And in 2012, there was more gun violence in PG-13 films than in the R-rated ones out that year. The entertainment industry is changing. They're shifting. How we conduct monetary transactions has changed. We're accelerating quickly and moving in toward a cashless society. The Bible says in Revelation 13, 16 through 18, it says, and he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. That no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Pew Research Center citing in 2015 the number of Americans who did not use cash for any of their purchases was only at 24%. Watch this now. In 2022, that number changed to now 41%. In less than a decade, that number has jumped up over 10%. Can you cue up the video for me? Just this last July, July 20th, 2023, it was stated that Amazon has launched its new Amazon One payment that allows customers, wait for it, customers can now pay with the palm of their hand. This is on the site. It says this. By the end of this year, all 500 plus whole food market locations in the U.S. will offer Amazon One for payment and Prime membership benefits. This means that Whole Foods customers who choose to use Amazon One will no longer, no longer need their wallet or even a phone to pay. They can simply hover their palm over an Amazon One device and pay. I'm not telling you the end times are coming. I'm telling you the end times are here. They're here. I'm not telling you that this is the mark of the beast. Again, I'm not telling you that this is the mark of the beast. But here's what I'm trying to articulate to you this afternoon is that the infrastructure is in place to make revelations now a reality. And you are living in a time period that's unprecedented in which you're seeing this stuff come alive. It's coming alive. No longer when you used to read this stuff, Elder, five to ten years ago, you tried to scratch your head and say, I don't know how they're going to pull that off. You are seeing, you see all the pieces in place as far as how this is now happening. Our culture has undergone a significant amount of change in such a short span. And whenever we talk about change, we have to talk about time. Because what time is, is time is the measure of change. In order to identify change, you have to identify the original starting point as to, to which something began. The reference point of where it started and then where it's changing to. And so all of the examples of change that I just went over, okay, those of you that can connect with them, you can, the reason you can connect with them is because you understood how things used to be. 
You understood the original reference or the starting point of where they started. You understood, those of you that understood that time period in which what? Cash was king, right? Okay. You understand the evolution of how far we've gotten from that. But in all that, here's what I want to bring to you this afternoon. God says, I do not change. I don't change. He's not in this instance talking about his ways. He's not talking about his works. But what he's essence talking about, he's referring to his essence, his being, his very nature, the fact that he is love, the fact that he's peace, he's hope. The very nature of his being cannot, it does not change. He is who he is. He does who he does because of who he is. He doesn't change. And so he can make that statement. He makes the statement because he stands outside of time. He's not constrained to the confines, to the aging process, to the process of things getting stale, of getting old. He's the reference point from which everything else is determined. I don't change. He says, I still stay the same. And here's what I want to begin to articulate to somebody this afternoon is that in spite of all the change that you see going on in this world or in your life, the instability, the volatility, there's something that you can't count on week to week. You watch a program last month, you think it's okay. The next month, somebody's running across the screen half naked. One week, they tell you your job is fine. You're doing well. The next week, they give you a slip and say you've been let go. In spite of all the ups and downs and downs and ups, the volatility in your world, personally, the volatility in our world in general, the one thing that remains constant, the one thing that remains the same, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is what? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, forever. All of this stuff, watch it go around, but you just keep your feet planted on the rock, okay? We used to sing the song, hold to his hand, what? God's unchanging hand, hold to his hand, God's unchanging hand, build your hopes, build your hopes, build your hopes, not on things temporal, not on things that are fleeting, but build your hopes on things eternal, hold to God's unchanging hand. I do want to give back to our text. Let me give you some context. It's important to give you context to the text. Our opening text is taken from the book of Malachi. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament just prior to stepping into what we call the intertestinal period. This is a period in which the, the if, if you, I had you hold up your Bibles, there's going to be that little page that you see. This is, this is, this is equivalent to what you would call four Hundred years. So after Malachi, you've got a blank page. Some of you've got a study or a reference Bible. You may have some notes in there. It's not Bible, but they're notes. Okay. But there's 400 years in between the period of the Old Testament and the New Testament. And during this time period, some theologians will call it a period of silence. That's technically, that is accurate. But what it's referring to is referring to the fact that God no longer spoke through the office of the prophet. Okay. He no longer spoke to the people corporately through the role of the prophet. There are two roles in the entirety of the Bible. You have the role of the prophet and you have the role of the priest. Okay. Now these two roles are the roles that God used to actually communicate to the people on a corporate level. Okay. And so you have the roles of the, the, the priest and let me, let me, let me simplify them so we can at least just walk away with something. 
the, the priest's primary role, the primary role of the priest was essentially to articulate, okay, or to speak from the people to God. He was an intercessor. He was a mediator, okay. He, he, was, he was a go-between, essentially a conduit. And his role thus at that point was to really speak to, the, to God on behalf of the people. That was the priest, okay. First Timothy 2.5 says, for there's one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, okay. Let me, today we fast forward to 2023, okay. You only, you don't need a pastor, you don't need a preacher. The, the only person standing between you and God is Jesus Christ. So if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, okay, I cannot help you. You have to accept Christ in order to get to God. But the role of the prophet was on the other end of the spectrum. The prophet's role, if you had to simplify it, was simply to speak from God to the people. So he came with the message of thus said the Lord. Now we, we have some people in here that have the gifting, they can operate in the prophetic. And what they have the ability to do is they have a sensitivity to the spirit to be able to speak corporately to the corporate body Okay, on what the Holy Spirit is saying. It's not of them, but it's of the Spirit. Now, I said all that to say that Malachi is going to be the last prophet. He's the last prophet, and he's speaking corporately to a body of Jewish people. Malachi is speaking to a a Jewish audience that has returned from captivity. This is a post, it's what we call post-exilic. Okay, this is a group of Jews that have returned from captivity and they're now returning back into the promised land. Previously, they had been under the rule of what we call the Persian Empire. Now, the Persians were dramatically different from a lot of the other world powers in, the, in that fact that they were extremely diplomatic. What I mean by that is that most of the world powers, when they conquered you, they tried to completely wipe you out. They tried to wipe out your culture. They tried to wipe out your name. Okay, I'm going to put it in our own rendition this, this afternoon here. Everybody, and I've said this before, everybody seen the, the movie Roots, right? There's that famous line in Roots. What's your name, boy? Kunta. Kunta Kinte. And, and what that is, it's, it's well, remember LeVar Burton getting beats on his back, and he yells that out. And it's primarily because during that time period, there was essentially an effort to wipe out Afrocentric names, Af- the, the African culture. Most empires practiced this. This is what Hellenization was. This is actually what the Greeks did. They wanted to completely wipe you out. But the Persians were a little bit different. They were more diplomatic. They didn't necessarily, they allowed you to continue on with what you were doing as long as you paid them taxes. It was business as usual. And so in Malachi, you have to understand is that the advantage of this is that the Persian rule, they've allowed the Jewish people to go back into the promised land. And so Malachi is speaking to this audience, okay, an audience of people that have returned back into the promised land. Now, when they've come back into the promised land, it did not meet their expectations. It wasn't the grand welcome that they had expected. And the reality of the situation is, is that all of the promises that they had been expecting had not been 
restored. Things haven't, they weren't necessarily complete. They weren't fulfilled. And so as these people have stepped back into the promised land, okay, there's a feeling of being stuck. There's a disappointment. There's a frustration. There's an irritation. And so multiple things begin to occur. One thing that began to occur is they begin to step away from the covenant relationship with God. And in doing so, you're going to see a series of things take place. First and foremost, marriage as a whole began to crumble. Adultery was running rampant. The priesthood itself began to get corrupted. Because the leadership began to get corrupted, the people had now began to develop a general apathy and cynicism toward God to the point where they actually began to question whether God is actually there, whether he cared, whether he was concerned, whether he actually loved me. And they begin to raise this litany of questions okay, toward God. So we, throughout the book of Malachi, what you're going to read is you're going to read is all of the rebuttals from God to the people about all the questions that they've been raising at him. Are, God, are you actually around? Are you actually here? The other effect of this corruption was that the priesthood, okay, the priesthood got so bad that the people had stopped tithing. They no longer paid their tithes because the leadership was so corrupt. And we draw some parallels within our culture today. Okay, this is very similar to the economic woes of the Catholic Church. Decades of sexual abuse, decades of sexual abuse rolled up into one. And now when you pass by the Catholic Church within Catholicism, all you see is these empty buildings. Because the congregations are dwindling and now Catholicism is on a massive, massive economic problem. When we first got back into Milwaukee, Wisconsin, because I grew up in Catholic school. I went to Catholic school for eight years. But I was shocked and amazed at how many of these buildings had now closed down. Here's what ended up happening. Here, Thank you for the liberty here. But watch this now. Here's what ends up happening. Ultimately, the people had in fact come back to the promised land, but they never came back to the promise keeper. They came back to the land, but they never came back to the promise keeper. And this is why in Malachi, God says, return unto me. Return, saith the Lord of hosts. Come back. Come back. Come back. Come on. Come on. Come on back. You've left. Come, don't, come on back. Don't. Whatever direction you've gone, come back. And let me pause right there because I'm going to tell you, there's some of you in here this afternoon that you've come to church, but you have not come to Christ. Oh, you've come to church, but you have not come to Christ. You've come to, you, 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 you showed up one time. You've come to the programs. You, 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 you've come to all the events, but you have not come to the one that puts on the event. Because the show ain't me. It's sure not them. It's not the worship team. It's not the drummer. There's one person putting on this event. It's Jesus Christ. But sometimes we get in the mode where we come to church, but you do not come to Christ. And Malachi is screaming unto the people. He says, come back. Don't just come back to the land. You need to come back to God. Malachi 3, 
excuse me, Malachi 3, 6, 7. He says, for I am the Lord, I change not. And I want to provide you some further detail on that change. When God says he changes not, it's, it's, he's, he's referencing essentially his, his, his not, not, not just his character, not just his nature. But what he's referencing in this particular passage, if you pull it out from the context, he established that the, the long ago with Abraham, the, 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 what we call the Abrahamic covenant, okay? And he established that that went throughout the generations, okay? And that Abrahamic covenant, okay, understand the difference between a contract and a covenant. Everybody understand the difference between those two. A contract says that this is you have two parties that get into a contract. And, and if, if, Don, if you don't hold up your end of the bargain, the contract is void. It's, it's no longer good. But what a covenant says, a covenant says something different. A covenant says, no matter, Don, if you do what you were meant to do, I'm still going to show up. That's the covenant relationship. The difference in the covenant relationship is it remains intact because one party says, I'm committed to this. I'm committed to this not based on your faithfulness, but I'm committed to this because I am faithful. I'm committed to this not because, because you're doing what you need to do, but I'm committed to this because I'm doing what I need to do. And this is exactly what God says to each and every person here. God's commitment to you is not based on your faithfulness. It's not based on the fact that you love. It's not based on the fact that you have together every day. It's not based on what you can put to bring to the table. He says, I'm committed to this because I am love. I am joy. And my very being, it's my very essence, my very nature. It's unwavering. It's unmovable. It's unshakable. Okay. It's, it's, I'm committed to this basically because this is who I am. And since it's who I am, this is essentially what I do. That's why I'm the covenant. And what God will do, and hear me now, okay, hear me now. What God will do at times is he will begin to speak to you and I from what I call a covenant perspective. A covenant perspective is God, God speaks to you based not on your, your strength, but based on his strength, on his faithfulness. God never changed. It was, the, in fact, the people that changed, and they begin to wander in confusion and frustration, and they, they eventually stepped into sin. And they had this laundry list of questions that begin, and there's nothing wrong with questions. Hear me now, child of God. Nothing wrong with questions. Your journey, you're going to have some questions about some things that God did. But it was the, the fact that the questions begin to actually attack the very nature and the character of who God was. And so in Malachi, what you're going to see is that you're going to, God's going to give a rebuttal to all of the questions that the people had been raising, okay? And you're going to notice a theme throughout the entirety of a lot of those questions because there's a phrase that's consistent throughout the book of Malachi, and that phrase is essentially this, but you say. But you say, but you say, but you say, and what God is going to do is he's going to take all of the accusations that the people have been saying and bringing up, and he's going to contrast those with what they're actually doing. So watch this now. Malachi 1, 2, it says, I have loved you, says the Lord, but you say, how have you loved us? Malachi two thirteen. And the second thing you do, you cover the Lord's altars with tears, with weeping and groaning because he no longer regards the offering or accepts it in, with favor from your hand. But you say, why does he not? 
Malachi 3.13. Your words have been hard against me, says the Lord. This is God saying, your words have been hard. You, you attacked my character. But you say, how have we spoken against you? And so with all these allegations, okay, raised against God, his rebuttal in all this is, is, is with all the frustrations that they have, his rebuttal in this is to say, look, you're saying all this, you're doing all this, but you say that. And within the covenant relationship, you got the nerve, you got the audacity to attack me and tell me I'm the one that's changed. You're telling me I've changed. You said this, but you did that. You went here, but you went over there. You said we wanted this, but you asked for that. And you got the audacity to tell me I am the one that's changed. Hear me now. Let's bring this home. That's exactly what happens to us at some time. This is what happens to us when our reality does not meet the expectations. We begin to develop questions. Has God left me? Maybe I shouldn't be in church. Maybe, maybe, maybe this church thing isn't for me, Pastor. We don't really need this holiness thing. This holiness is exaggerated, isn't it? We don't really need to be holy, do we? Oh, that's, that, that, we, we don't need to do that. Maybe this living for God thing is something I just made up in my mind. And these are, these are the questions that, and the thoughts that take place when we let our current reality and our current circumstances dictate and define not only who we are, but here, listen to this. We let those circumstances influence your understanding of the character and the very nature of who God is. And that's when we get in trouble. Watch this now, because listen to how God addresses the Jewish people, Malachi 3, 6. He addresses them by saying this. You sons of Jacob. You know, I had to scratch my head for a second because he didn't call them sons of Abraham. Remember, this is about the covenant relationship. This is what he's speaking to. The covenant relationship was something long before Jacob. This was established with Abraham. He doesn't, he doesn't say that. He says, you sons of Jacob. He, he didn't call them sons of Abraham. He didn't even call them sons of Isaac. Now, you, you would think that he would at least call them sons of Israel. That's the name that Jacob was, was, was changed to when the Bible says when he wrestled with God, he, had, he got changed to power, prince with God. Okay? But he doesn't call them you sons of Israel. He calls them sons of Jacob. You know what Jacob means, right? The supplanter. The heel grabber. The deceiver. You sons of the deceiver. He reverts back to calling them sons of a deceiver. That's exactly who you and I are when we allow our reality to engage with our current doubts and the lies from the enemy that he's trying to sow into your life. You're deceived. 
Son, your son or daughter. Son or daughter is a product of. Okay. You're a product of. We talk about conception. Two things have to come together in order for you to be a product. Son of daughter of a deceiver. That's exactly what happens when we don't stand on the covenant promises of God despite our current situation. He hasn't left. He hasn't reneged. He hasn't stepped aside. He hasn't left you. He hasn't stopped loving you. But 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 we 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 think this. We've been deceived. We've been bamboozled. We've been hoodwinked. The wool has been pulled over our eyes. We've been tricked. You've been tricked into thinking that God isn't faithful. God is fickle. That God has changed. And meanwhile, in the background, God is screaming to you throughout your circumstances and your situation that I, I have not changed. I'm still here. I'm still, I still love you. Here's the next point I want to bring us to. I'm going to start wrapping up. I want to highlight this, is that God will oftentimes, watch this now, what God will oftentimes do is he will speak to you on something very specific and he will give you a word. He will say to you, this is where I want you to go. This is who I am. He, this is who I've called you to be. This is who you are. And God will speak a word to you. Listen, listen now. He'll speak a word to you in the very situation in which everything in your life is headed in the opposite direction. He will give you a word in which you're, re- and, and that word will not match up to the reality that you were in at the current time period. This sounds good. Let me give you a Bible for this. Judges 6, 12, the Bible tells us that a, 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 the angel of the Lord appeared unto a man by the name of Gideon. The Bible says that the angel of the Lord appeared unto the man by the name of Gideon. You know what Gideon was doing at the time when the angel of the Lord appeared? The Bible said that he was hiding. He was threshing his wheat and he was hiding. He was hiding from the Midianites. You know what the Midianites were? Midianites were a nomadic tribe in biblical times and they were dangerous. They were violent. But in, in, a lot of these ites were, but the Midianites were a little bit different in the fact that they were nomadic. So what they would do is they didn't have any stability. They didn't have a, you think of a castle or a home or a city. They didn't have any of, have any of that. What they actually used to do is they used to travel around and raid the other parties, the other countries. They would raid them. They would take their goods. Now, we think of it like that. I'll, I'll, I'll put it, to, I'll give you an example that puts it into our vernacular here today, but that's extremely devastating when you have a farming community. Because if you're a farmer, okay, what you do is you sow, you, 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 you sow and you harvest, you sow and you put all your blood, your sweat, your tears during that sowing period. And you do all of this to get to a point where you can reap, where you can get the harvest. What the Midianites would do in the Old Testament is they would wait until all of a sudden it was harvest time and they would come and they would take everything that you had and it would simply demoralize you. It would break the back. You know, those, you know that, that bully in school that would take your lunch money? Every day he'd take, take your money from you. And it's just demoralizing. It's one thing to be robbed, you know what I'm saying? But to be robbed every time, imagine saving up for something 
and then it get riled, that just breaks your back. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. I, I, I remember my wife and I, we were in Minnesota, and, okay, this is as much farm boys you're going to get out of this city boy. Okay. We planted a garden, man. Woo, we planted a garden. I went out there with that sod cutter, and I cut it down good, planted peppers. We had corn. We had broccoli. I'm talking eating good. Okay. Open up my own Whole Foods, you know? <laughs> and we planted this thing. Everything came up. You know, the deer mowed that thing down. I went out there. It was not a thing. Not a thing. I threw up my hands and said, nah, never again. Mm-mm. Worked hard for it. But, but the Midianites would do this. And the Bible says that they, they tormented the Israelites for seven years. Seven years. Imagine your paycheck for seven years gets taken away from you. They would do this, and but the Bible says that the angel of the Lord appears unto a man by the name of Gideon, and the angel of the Lord greets him by saying, not before that, the Lord is with you. God is with me. Who? The Lord is with me? Why am I being oppressed right now? If God is with me, why in the world am I hiding trying to thresh this stuff out? If God is with me, somebody hear me now. Why is my marriage falling apart? If God is with me, why do I have problems with my car? If God is with me, why is my health not better? If God is with me, why are these things happening to me? And what you're doing is you're looking at your own reality and you're allowing that to negate what God is speaking to you in the moment. And he's saying, I am with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. You may not be able to see it from the right to the left, but I'm with you. You may not be able to see the beginning from the end, but I'm with you. You cannot see how to get out this storm, but I'm with you in the storm. I'm with you. You and I need to understand then that our own reality is not based on what's going on around us, but it's based on the fact of who is with us. In the midst of the Midianite army raiding Gideon's people and terrorizing, stealing their food, the angel tells Gideon, look, I need you to look at a fixated point, a point of reference, a point that does not change. God is with you. He then goes on to call him what? Thou mighty man of valor. Again, who? Me? This is the same man that's hiding, threshing the wheat. Hiding, threshing the wheat. But, he, but the angel appears and calls him a mighty man. Mighty man. God looks at you from a different vantage point than how you look at yourself. And he looks at you from a perfected state of how he's calling you to be. 
But what happens is you begin to look at yourself based on your reality and the circumstances around you, and you're trying to define yourself based on that. And God is saying, uh-uh. <laughs> if you could see yourself through my eyes, and I want somebody to start seeing themselves through his eyes, seeing your situation through his eyes, hearing yourself through his ears, understanding yourself through his mind, okay, then you would start walking out in faith in these situations. But you've been too much caught up in looking at the own reality of things around you, and that's why you're stuck. That's why you're looking around like Gideon, like, who? Yes, I'm talking to you, man of God. Yes, I'm talking to you, woman of God. Romans 4, 17 says, as is written, I've made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believes, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. The Bible says God changed Abram's name to what? Abraham, okay, the father of many nations, long before he ever had a son. Long before any kids had come, okay, God had already changed his name. God does not define you by your reality, by your circumstances, by your trials, but you are defined by his victory, by his glory, by his love for you. God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as so they were. Malachi 1-2 opens the book with that, with, with the lie. God does not love me. Wherein hast thou loved us? God, you've left me. If you've been rolling that around in your mind and in your heart, let me tell you, you're a product of deceit. You've been fooled. And today I'm just here to tell you that your Heavenly Father is calling you to come back. He's calling you to come back. Let's stand. I'm going to close here today, but I'm going to invite you. I'm not going to invite you to an altar. You can come if you want. But as I preach, we, we come to the altar. But are you coming to Christ? You can come to church. But are you coming to Christ? The worship team, the pastoral staff, ministry team, they do their best to essentially create an atmosphere where you can engage with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but it can only go that far. There's only, there's only so much these human hands, this, this mouth can do. There has to be a desire from, from you to, 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 ha- to, to want to engage the one that died for you. Because I, I, I didn't die for you. The worship team didn't die for you. Pastor Chris didn't die for you. But you, you've, you've come through those doors. I'm just here to tell you this this afternoon that your heavenly father in the midst of all the volatility and the instability in your life and your world 
Somebody, he's screaming right now. He said, come. Come to me. Come back. I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. I'm the only thing that's remaining constant in your life right now. I'm the only thing that's ever loved you more than what you could ever know, what you could ever imagine. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking My love for you is never ending. It's never waving. Never fleeting. I am the Lord, your God. I do not change. I change not. Circumstances may change. Relationships may change. Your friends may change. But he's saying to you, I change not. I change not. I'm going to open this altar. But I want you to remind you is that when everything around you begins to dissolve, begins to fizzle, the only thing left is going to be him standing in your corner. Say, I change not. I'm still with you. Even in the storm. This altar's open.